Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Monday, November 13th. Today, Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins details how removing a nearly 70-year-old dam will make a smooth stretch on the Arkansas River even safer. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the Colorado Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing. HCPF is raising awareness of the invaluable roles of direct care workers and the direct care workforce in Colorado. Direct care workers play a crucial role in enhancing the lives of individuals requiring assistance due to disability, age, or illness. Learn more about the impact of these workers and how to become one by visiting hcpf.colorado.gov slash direct-care-spotlight. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. When Pope Pius XI beatified the late Francis Cabrini on this day in 1938, the Catholic Church recognized a person whose legacy resonates in Colorado and around the world as a voice for immigrants and ethnic laborers. Born in Italy in 1850, Cabrini founded the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and immigrated to the United States in 1889. She marveled at American urban life and dedicated herself to improving the lives of immigrants. The sisters went on to found benevolent organizations in nine states. At the turn of the 20th century, nuns contacted Cabrini to ask for her help on behalf of Italian immigrants working in Colorado coal mines. She came to Denver in the fall of 1902 to open a school, an orphanage, and vocational training programs. Cabrini ended up purchasing a mountaintop spot in Jefferson County to build a summer camp for orphans. Before we continue, another quick message. On December 5th, First Bank and Colorado Gives Foundation are proud to present Colorado Gives Day, a one-day online fundraiser for local nonprofits. Since 2010, people just like you have raised $415 million, and over $53 million was donated last year alone. To elevate giving, First Bank and other sponsors have contributed more than $1 million to amplify every donation made, which makes Colorado Gives Day easily the best day to give. So let's start a wave of generosity. Donate at coloradogivesday.org. First Bank. Banking for good. Member FDIC. Next, our feature story. Thanks for listening today. I'm David Krause, one of the editors here at the Colorado Sun. And we're here for another Monday Sun Up session with Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins. What is going on, Jason Blevins? Riding it out, DK. You know it. Good answer, my friend. Good answer. Hey, uh, let's jump into this uh, low-head dam removal on the Arkansas River you wrote about last week, Jason. Uh, You and I have both done this stretch of the Arkansas River numerous times, um, have seen that dam from different perspectives. Uh, Jason, kind of talk about the history of that, what's called a uh, low-head dam, um, dam that stretches from river to side to side of the river, usually, but then allows the water to flow over freely. Uh, JB, pick it up from there on what am I missing on Lowhead Dam? Yeah, so built in 1956, a couple miles upstream of Slide on the Arkansas River. It was initially built to divert water over to the Chavano State Fish Hatchery, Um, and then they stopped using it for that purpose in 2000 when there was whirling disease in the river, and that fish hatchery converted to groundwater. But that feature has remained in the river there. They built a boat chute on the left side of it so rafters and kayakers could could safely navigate that. But it basically what, what happens at a at a low head dam, it's a diversion dam. It sort of allows 
a channel of water off the side. But water goes vertically over a, you know, kind of a, in this case, it's six feet, which qualifies it as a low head dam. Um, and it, it creates this pretty violent, sticky, retentive hydraulic at the uh, bottom. And National Weather Service has called those things drowning machines. There's months and, um, and, and April, every, every April is low head dam awareness. It's one of the more deadly features in rivers cross country. Um, in Colorado, there's been probably eight that, that since the nineties, uh, fatalities in low head dams. And four of those have been at the Salida low head dam. And as of about a week ago, Colorado parks and wildlife chief of county commissioners pulled that thing out of there and it is gone after something like 10 years of planning and scheming and looking for funding for that thing finally got it done and uh, a little sigh of relief for river runners not having to uh, think about that or make that boat shoot or anything like that it's uh, pretty good news for that stretch of river yeah I was over there uh, Tuesday last week up uh, above you can see it kind of from I think it's county road 150 um, kind of curves you go past the fish hatchery, really cool road actually down there. And then there's this little overlook, uh, right where the road takes a pretty hard curve and it's right on a fence line, private property. There's stairs down, uh, there. So you can fish down there on the river. Um, but I was up there and man, I was just surprised how quickly that thing came down. And I know they had a bunch of excavators there. Um, and they've, uh, you know, or pounding all that, ripped it out of the river, put a pile up, up river, and they're breaking it down and then shipping that out. Uh, Jason, when do you think that water is going to be flowing back through there? So, yeah, I was talking to folks with the um, Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area, um, and they were saying, you know, that the quickest part of this project was for sure the removal of the dam. And now comes a much more involved, lengthy process of sort of shaving that gradient down right because six foot vertical drop from the top of that water to the bottom of that dam without that dam there has to be some pretty delicate kind of sloping on the riverbed and they've obviously diverted all the water it's over in the what's the boat shoe right now that section of river is closed for recreational access obviously while they do this but uh, they got another couple weeks it was quick to pull the dam out pretty surprising probably to see how quickly that was removed but now comes the more kind of careful and tedious work of sloping. So another couple few weeks, but for sure that thing will be open by, uh, by spring, you know, by the time the water comes up. Jason, were you surprised that when, you know, you wrote that was, uh, the Chafee County commissioner said, Hey, listen, we'll throw in a hundred thousand dollars to help kickstart this program. Are you surprised that it was, that's what it took to get this project really finally done or, had it moved up CPW's list of concerns or, you know, because we got down to what, like $1.3 million to, to rip that thing out and fix it? Yeah. So for initially, for about 10 years, they'd been like, oh, it's going to cost $1.6 million to rip that thing out. And, you know, CPW is always, you know, stretching its money and, and tight budget there. So they never quite came up with that money for, for pulling that dam out. And then this summer which you might recall the story on the scout wave um, mm -hmm. river advocates and some folks with the Arkansas headwaters were kind of going up to Salida officials and Chapey County officials and saying, Oh man, that new feature in the Salida whitewater park, 
it, you remember it turned kind of scary there for a couple months at high flows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a surf wave that um, was built um, to, you know, sort of offer year round surfability. And it has been great at low water and medium flows. But once the river kind of peaked there for summer, it turned into a pretty violent, unsurfable, un really didn't want to go through it kind of hole. Um, and everyone's coming up and saying, hey, you know, all these chief county commissioners and whatnot, hey, can you do something about, um, you know, that surf wave? And chief county commissioner Greg Felt owns a fly fishing company and, you know, longtime river advocate, water boss out there in Chiefy. And he's, he said, well, if you're going to yell at me about the scout wave, why don't you take a look at that official drowning machine upstream? Been on your list for 10 years. Why don't we do something like that? And, you know, CPW and AHRA was saying, well, we don't have the funding for it. And commissioner said, how about we give you a $100,000 challenge grant, sort of a matching grant. Like if you can come up with $100,000, we'll give you this $100,000. Maybe that can push this thing over the edge. That triggered a bunch of, you know, conversations at CPW headquarters down in Denver. And they eventually re-crunched some numbers, maybe sent that out to bid again and came up with a, something closer to $1.2 million cost. So they were able to kind of retoggle the expenses, the cost of that dam removal and got that thing out of there. But it was interesting, not just with the Chafee County Commissioner's grant, but also kind of focused on that scout wave and people saying, oh, wow, there's a dangerous feature on the Arkansas River. And everybody's saying, well, there's a really dangerous feature just a little bit upstream that, you know, the irony of this is that it's in one of the, easier more beginner friendly stretches of whitewater on the arc river you know you put it at stonebridge there and float into town above the whitewater park kind of a general class two type thing and you know you talk to all these folks you know with with the rec association and river bosses out there and river outfitters and lots of people always come up and say hey i'm new to kayaking hey i'm new to rafting i'm new to ore boating what you know what's a good stretch and they always say oh you know that slide of town runs a lot of fun just be careful of that one spot where you could die, you know? And so that it's pretty nice to be able to, now they're able to say, you know, there's a, there's not that really dangerous, sketchy feature in the middle of a, what's essentially a beginner friendly stretch of whitewater on the, on the Arkansas river. Yeah, it is a really um, great stretch. Like you said, even when the water is running medium high, you know, low or whatever, because there really isn't anything crazy other than that um, big low head dam. And DK, if I remember correctly, you are one of the few people out there that have a more intimate knowledge of that feature, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Well, Jason, I I guess for public service, uh, I'll talk about my uh, poor uh, decision making and misunderstanding. But yes, um Back in late August when the river had gone down, to your point exactly, right? I wanted, I've been living in Salida since uh, February, been really getting on the river a lot, been doing rafting, been doing a lot of fly fishing. I have a really good friend who is very knowledgeable in all things river. So we went out on a Thursday, quiet Thursday. I was in a uh, inflatable kayak, also I guess known as a ducky, because that's I think going to be my purchase for next summer. And so this person was like, hey, let's go and I'll get on a stand-up board. So we put in, then I've done that stretch probably four times this year in various rafts and, and such. And and I know there's all the signs, right? There's huge signs, right, Jason, that 
you know, I think four or five of them from a half mile out and we're, you know, joking who, you know, who would miss that sign? So we get above uh, the the dam and we're kind of stopped for a sec. And my friend says, you know, I'm on a stand-up board. Um, there's the chute, uh, you know, the river left chute that you can go down. She, you know, they're like, I'm going to get on a stand, take my stand-up board, walk around and I'll meet you down. But I think you should send it. And I got that phrase of send it, meaning, you know, maybe I should go over this low head dam. That's what I thought send it meant. And yeah. being a person uh, whose business is words, right, Jason? I guess there is a lot of irony. Um, but I made the decision that I was going to go over the low head dam thinking, because when you look at that thing, really, um, it does not look like six feet. Right, Jason. I mean, if you're standing on the bank, I, you know, I'm five foot seven on a good day. Uh, that never has looked like six feet to me. But I will say when I realized I had made a very bad miscalculation was when I was at the top of the dam getting ready to go over the top and I could see the top of the uh, boil, the wave at the bottom. And that's when I was like, Okay, and I got over. I will say I felt very com comfortable, and I got over it, and I got down and then up, and right when I was on the boil, which is that top flushy part of the wave, I was sitting on there thinking, I, you know, I think I got this, and I paddled right, and I went sideways, so then I was at the point where I better let, just let go and not fight it, and I knew I was going to get in that backwash, which is very circular, recirculating. And I guess um, one of those, you know, um, strokes of luck, I just actually knew more about low head dams than probably I did in the past 30 years because this past summer I took an online course, a six or eight hour course, and to get boat certification to be able to um, confidently drive my brother's boat out in Missouri. And so I did this whole course this summer. Well, part of that course is low ad dams and what to do and how to escape. And I instantly knew to, I guess in the back of my head, to ball up really tight. And I did one circle through the backwash and then another circle through. And that's when I reached my arm out and lifted it up above the water. And that's kind of the way to get your escape route out. I could feel the ducky. So I grabbed it, pushed it, did the, you know, um, exact, you know, thing you're supposed to do in a, when you're in the water, get your head back, put your, point your feet down river and just float. Now I will say, um, it was a horrible thought process. I just misunderstood the situation knowing that the water was low and here thinking, oh, this dam's only like three feet. It's like going to be like a, you know, a rapid, um, only later when to the surprise of my friend on the bank who was screaming and, uh, <laughs> totally freaked out. Because they were walking through those willows and didn't actually see me go over the dam until I was right at the top and then saw everything. And, uh, you know, that was about um, two weeks of uh, infusive apologizing for uh, the heart palpitations that I caused. But, you know, lucky to go over it. Um, I uh, jokingly said when I was up on the point on Tuesday... Uh, I was up there looking and actually the fire department guys came up and, uh, from Salida and one of the captains and I were talking, there was three of them 
And he said, you know, they've been going up once a week or so just to watch them take it down because he's really glad that they're not going to be having to do rescues anymore. And I went ahead and sheepishly brought up that conversation. And to his to his credit, he just shook his head and said, I'm really glad that I didn't have to come find you in the water. So, uh, so that low head dam, you know, I love being out on the water. I was out, you know, the next day at, and, but it is one of those things that low water doesn't matter. That thing, those things can really, really be a death trap. Yeah. You are one of the few people that maybe have a little lucky story. There are some sad and scary stories out of there. There's some very close calls, some great rescue stories. A lot of, um, search and rescue folks like to recount, um, some of their, more terrifying and involved rescues on that because first can sit there and get resurped in that thing over and over and over and they will need a rope to get out of it or they're you know or they're gonna drown and flush out of it but it yeah uh, there's a lot of real close calls at that stretch and i think there's just an overarching kind of sigh of relief to have that thing finally not involved in uh in that particular stretch of water it's uh Good, yeah. good to see that thing gone. I, I can't imagine having gone over it. I think the flows were probably 350, maybe 400 CFS that day. Um, and the amount of force that can be created on a six-foot drop, even at that small of a flow, I can't yeah. imagine if that thing's humming at, what, peak season, Jason, 1,000, 1,200 CFS? Yeah, maybe even a little more, yeah. Yeah. So, because I think you and I did that stretch couple years ago yeah um but yeah and that was humming then but yeah just uh you know bad calculation and uh lucky outcome because that's more of it jason last thing for today um any other projects like this on the arkansas or on cpw's list as far as dams or river um safety concerns coming up um not on the arc i think we've get knocked out low head dams and that these things are around and you do see them and there's increasing you know newer technology has made uh made it easier to divert water without necessarily the need for a low head dam it's a pretty dated technology dated weighted so we're certainly not building new low head dams in rivers um and but with an increased you know recreational use of rivers uh there is you know sort of an overarching national move to uh get these things out of riverways and so um not very many in colorado done a pretty good job getting rid of these things but uh nationally it is a priority and uh i think we're gonna probably see someday in the near future when there are no more low head dams in in our uh riverways yeah that'll be nice to have that open water like that hey jason uh thanks for the chat today and i always uh, like to thank our listeners for joining in if you want to read this story or more about the outdoors, go to coloradosun.com. Click on that outdoors tab at the top of our homepage. You can also sign up for Jason's weekly outsider newsletter at coloradosun.com slash outsider. And a new thing, Jason, I thought I'd throw this out to our listeners as a member. Uh, we are now members of uh, the Trust Project. And so you can see our ethics policy at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Trust Project is a consortium of news companies, and they are applying global transparency standards that help people know who and what uh, is behind the news that they read. So a really interesting project that we're getting involved in as well. Hey, Jason, always fun to catch up and uh, have a great week, buddy. 
Thanks, CK. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. About 90 Colorado school districts are seeking a rise in the dropout rate. The state's overall dropout rate in 2022 climbed by 0.4 percentage points from 2021 to 2.2%, marking the first increase since 2015. More than 10,500 students in grades 7 through 12 dropped out of school during the 2021 to 22 school year. Also, nearly 270,000 students in grades K through 12 were chronically absent, more than a quarter of Colorado kids. The surge of students who have stopped showing up to school adds to the long list of worries among school leaders and educators. Doctors and researchers at the University of Colorado Health Center are developing a system they say is saving hundreds of lives a year by catching sepsis cases early. They've built this system using technology that is poised to revolutionize how doctors deliver health care, artificial intelligence. One of their ideas was to use years of data and assemble it to use machine learning models to come up with predictions. But it is not a tale of instant success. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 350,000 adults each year who develop sepsis die. The portion of Coloradans listing the high cost of living as one of their extremely or very serious problems rose to 85% this year, up from 63% in 2020. From meals to mortgages to mocktails to medicine, millions in the state are staggering under the burden of daily costs that jumped after the Great Recession in 2008 and haven't stopped rising. In a months-long series called The High Cost of Colorado, The Sun is exploring the ways in which the price of life in this desirable state has ballooned and how it's challenging Coloradans. Read more at coloradosun.com. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.